Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. beautiful people. It's me, Jenny D from Spill With Me, Jenny D podcast. I have another episode here and I, I can't even describe how I feel in this room with this beautiful woman. Her strength, her inspiration and things that she's been through. I mean, wait to hear her story. Dana Zimniak wrote a book called Blue is a Color of Heaven. This is a story of a boy's love, strength and beyond. So Dana, I'm so thankful that you're here and blessed. I thank you for sharing your story with the listeners today. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share my son with everyone. I feel like I know Evan. And I feel like in this book that I read, and you, we're going to talk about her book. We're going to talk about the struggles that her son has gone through. And, you know, it's just, Dana, I, I can't say I feel the way you feel. But bring us back to the beginning. Tell us about your son, Evan. Sure. Um, he was a very special little boy, and I always called him my old soul. But um, even as a baby we always noticed there was something different about him. Like he was very reactive and, you know, we had other friends who had children the same age or family with children the same age. And we could just tell there was something different. We weren't sure what it was. We had taken him to doctors and eventually he had been diagnosed with acid reflux. Okay. Acid reflux. Why? Was he not eating his food? He was not. He was not eating well. Uh, he would he would spit up a lot and scream and cry. And uh, I knew there was something wrong. So eventually the doctor did diagnose him with acid reflux. And he started taking medicine for it. And things got much, much better. Oh, good. And you're uh, a pharmacist. Yes. Okay. I am a pharmacist. So I was familiar with a lot of you know the meds and whatnot. So he did get better in that sense. And then as he got older, we noticed some other things things. Uh, he would just be very reactive. And, and when I say that, it's like hot. He was either too hot, too cold, or he didn't like the way something felt, or you just, you could never keep his attention. And he would do something called perseverate, which at the time I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah, right. But basically that's when you fixate on one thing, one topic, one subject, and then you can't get yourself away from that. So we had a lot of that. Um, he would get aggressive with me. In how? In what way? Um, well, if he didn't get his way or things didn't go the way he thought they should go, he would you know, start crying, screaming. He'd start hitting. And we just thought, this isn't 
this doesn't seem right. Like, I can just see that there's something more to it. Right. He's, he's acting out because he's yes. trying to tell you something. Exactly. Now, how old was he? Oh, this was probably all when he was two, three, four. See, they, you know, they say, oh, okay, terrible twos. Or, yes. hey, maybe it's just a boy because, you know, boys are much more yes. active and rambunctious. Yes, yes. But as a parent, you always know your child best. And we knew there was something more than just that. So eventually I broke down and it hurt me to do this because I felt like a failure as a parent. I felt like I was the problem, not my child. And I was embarrassed and ashamed, but I called a therapist to say, I'm having these issues with my son and I don't know what to do. So that started the ball rolling. We started going to these appointments. Eventually, they had him tested for various things, you know, ADHD, which he did get diagnosed with ADHD. They noticed that he most likely had anxiety. And you wonder how a child yeah. can have anxiety at such a young age. There, it's just in them. Right, know? and how do they diagnose that, that young of an age with ADHD? Well, he, you know, they give you like a... A, a sheet. Like a questionnaire. Questionnaire, and you fill that out, and you take it to the school, and you have the teachers fill it out. And at that time, he was in kindergarten when we had that diagnosis. So it was at the end of kindergarten before first grade started. And they started him on some medication, which, you know, we were very concerned about. Even as a pharmacist, I think that made it worse for me because I know these meds. Right. And I didn't want my child on these meds. Right, because some of these meds, what would you yes. say, Dana, are they, they make them kind of like, not common, but they're yes. they're not able to function. They're exactly. just kind of staring at the walls or just yes. not, you know, being who they are. And it decreases their appetite, and he was already a small child, so there was a lot of things like that, but... But in the end, we did it because we felt it was more important, not only for us, but we could tell he was struggling. So we did what we could to help him. And it did help a little. They also had done um, testing to see if he was on the autism spectrum. Right. And they always said he had flavors of autism. What does that mean? Well, it meant that he had a lot of characteristics that children with autism have, behaviors, things like that, but not quite enough to actually fall into that category in diagnosis. Okay, so, so they don't want to call it autism, but they know that there's some factors yes. that he is portraying with his personality and yes. his traits, but they, they're they just saying that it was ADHD, ADHD and, uh, and anxiety. Okay. So we ended up, it was suggested to us by his therapist that we look into something called wraparound services. And basically that is a program where your child is evaluated first to make sure that they qualify for it. And then they set you up with people, one is called a BSC, a behavioral specialist, and then TSS, um, therapeutic support staff, and they come into your home and they work with your child in the home setting. Wow, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So they will come, is this during school hours or after school? After school. He didn't qualify for them to go into the school and work with him one-on-one in school, but he qualified to have them come into the home. Okay, because I know you were saying in your book, I don't, I'm not telling a lot of secrets, <laughs> but in your book you did say that he was very good in the classroom, yes. very smart. Very smart, 
And he never acted up in school. Never acted up in school. You know, sometimes some of the kids would get him, you know, going, and then he would do what they did, and then they would back out, and he was always the one that was, like, more loud about it kind of thing. And then he, you know, but he never, ever got into big trouble or anything like that at all. He held it together for school. Wow. So there were never any issues. And in fact, that almost kind of hurt him because they would say, well, he's doing really well in school. He's not acting out. He's behaving. He's listening. You know, minimal distractions. Like, we don't see any issue with him. Uh, right. You're not the mom. You're not home with him yes. every day. <laughs> yes. And coming home was a completely different story. Right. He'd have a meltdown because... These kids are holding it in all day, mm-hmm. trying to keep it together in front of their peers, their teachers, and then they come home and they're like, I'm in my safe place. I can act how I need to be and right. then just let it all out. Exactly. And you know that, you know, I'm not saying anything about teachers because they're wonderful, but you know, they're, they may have not seen what really yes. goes on, you know, in the cafeteria recess or other parts of the school. Yes. You know, they can't have their eyes everywhere. Exactly. So maybe things were happening to him that maybe he wasn't sharing. Exactly. And and that is the case. A lot of times he would tell me things and I would call the school and deal with it. I was one of those parents that <laughs> the one day, now I will say most of the teachers he had were wonderful. There may have only been one or two that I can remember that I had any issues with and one in particular I would call and it's, it's kind of comical. I mean, I'm used to being the pain parent, you know. No, but you're a concerned. Parent. I am a concerned. I advocate for my children. Good for you. I'm, I'm proud of you. Strong and outspoken. And a lot of people don't take that. What are you well supposed you to do? You love well, your child. You're you trying do. to help your child. You love your children. Um, the thing that I have noticed is some of them get very defensive. And so they look at it like, well, you're trying to tell me how to do my job. And I'm like, no, I'm not telling you how to do your job. I'm telling you this is my child and this is how he responds. And this right. is what's happening to him. It's not, you know, one size fits all. You could have a child with ADHD. Right. And this is what you deal with here. But you could have another one that deals over here on the other end and everything in between. So to say, I've had experience with children with ADHD, perhaps you have, but that doesn't mean you have experience with every single child. Who's right, because they're all different. It doesn't mean, okay, you you know, put them in a room. Okay, all these kids have ADHD. Yes. Oh, okay, they're all going to act the same. Yeah, no, they're no, not. They don't categorize children like that. Yeah, they don't. And they. That breaks my heart. It, it is. And I think the problem with my son is that he was too high functioning. And I'm not saying, you know, that was that's a, bad a bad thing. thing. Right. It wasn't a bad thing. Right. But in a sense, it was because he wasn't seen as a child with issues. Right. He, he wasn't seen as a child that needed occupational therapy. The school, the, you know, a teacher would recognize that his handwriting was just horrible. Right. And she could see he was struggling, but yet got in trouble for suggesting to me that perhaps they should look into getting occupational therapy for him right. in the school. And the teacher got in trouble and said, I'm sorry, apparently I'm not allowed to... Oh, my gosh. Yes. So that, I That's the job of yes. the teacher. But see, the other ones are not higher, higher up. up. Yeah. They don't want that. So oh, they don't God want the forbid. teachers to care, in a sense, because that's more money put on my child. Right. That's more time and 
that they have to place on that child. So right. they don't want to do Oh, we're going to have to extra aid. We're going to pay more people. Yeah. Like, we don't want to have to do this. He's fine at yes. school. Like, yes. this breaks my heart because, Dana, it's going on yeah. every day. It, it is. Every it area, is. every state. There are schools out there that don't. There are schools in my area that, you know, I had a friend. She had to send her, her son to a different school because they didn't have the aid or yeah. the help at yeah. the other school. Mm. Why would one and then like two miles down the road, the other one has it? Yeah. What, you can't go to that school because you have special needs and you need help? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And I feel like all the years that I've been through all of this, you know, and it took us so long to finally get, you know, we were able to get him um, what they call a 504 plan. They would not, the school would not approve him for an IEP. Only what a is a 504? A 504 is basically, you know, it, it states that a child has certain requirements. They need things to Gosh, how do I want to say? I know this? it's it's a hard it, it's, it's hard, hard to, to say, but like in school, so Evan didn't need to be in a special needs classroom. He was able to be in a regular classroom and learn just like all the other kids. But there were certain things that might be more difficult for him. So the handwriting, right? You know, we he was diagnosed with um, something called constructive dysgraphia, which is an actual issue where it goes. So like if you're looking at the wall and you're trying to copy down notes, his when he looks up and then down, he's already lost his focus. Right. And then his okay. handwriting is messy. So they had to do things like give him copies of notes or make sure his agenda had all of his assignments in it or make sure the teacher was like, okay, Evan, let's go over what you need to take home. You know, things like that, that yes, I understand that's time consuming, but right. that's what he needed as a student to thrive right? and and to make it in class. Right, because you can't compare every kid together. Right. I know my son, he did not like high school and a lot of schools will just teach to the medium. Yes. Medium, is that what it is? Or yes. Medium? Yeah, just, <laughs> just the middle of the road. Right. That's everybody so then you, just, yeah. yeah. And you have a class full of, you know, kids that have strengths and weaknesses. Yes. Or maybe yeah. have someone in that classroom to just say, let's make sure you right. know what you got to do for tonight and right. go over things because you don't know when you, he comes home from school. Yeah. You're like left in the dark. Yes. Did you have teachers calling you to make sure he did stuff? I did. Like I said, for the most part, most of the teachers were, were really good. We had some issues here and there. But the thing of it that was really difficult was when you meet with the schools and say you call the principal and you say, you know, I have concerns about my child. I think he might need a 504, an IEP. I'd like to have him tested. It's, it almost feels like when you meet with the school that they're kind of looking at you like you have the problem. Oh, my gosh, Dana. You just brought something up to me. Yeah. When my son was younger... I, because the teachers were saying that he could not sit down mm-hmm. and that he was distracted, always looking out the window, playing with something, just not listening. And I thought, I want to get his hearing checked. You know, I just make sure that yeah. sometimes I call and he doesn't hear me. And they kind of looked at me like, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly I'm like, what oh, you know, you know our son. Now yeah. I'm, I'm mad at myself. We did get him tested on our own, but 
you know, I get mad at myself for not being that. I hope other parents listen to you, Dana, listen to our, your story today and realize you got to be the advocate for mm-hmm. your children. Yes, you do. They're not going to volunteer to do anything for you. No. Because if your child, all they care about is your child is in school, they are behaving, they are getting through the work, um, status quo. So my child was fine because he didn't give them a hard time. Right. So when you're sitting in the meeting with them and they're saying, well, Mrs. Zimniak, I don't understand what you think is the problem. Evan is fine. He's listening. He's doing this. He's doing that. Well, like you made it up. (laughs) Yeah, like I made it up. Like they look at you like, honestly, like you feel like you're crazy. Right. And they're very condescending and they talk down to you. You know, I feel like I am a smart person. I know enough about things. I can kind of see through all of their covering things up, you know, and I just never back down. So they just wanted to push it under the rug. They just wanted to. That is exactly. Now, Dana, what year was this? Met with all the teachers. Well, it started when he was in, I want to say second grade is when we started because that's when the teacher suggested he had an issue with his handwriting and needed occupational therapy. So we did that. He had already been in therapy, and then when we started having more issues, that's when they recommended the wraparound services. So he was having wraparound services in elementary school. So how, how, I was going to say, let's go back to that wraparound mm-hmm. service. How was he doing with that? They tried so hard. They were so sweet. Number one, it's hard to keep people in these positions because... You know, it's just hard to keep people. So when you get you get someone and your kid likes them and you get along, they move on, and then your child can't really deal with it because it's a change, right? Kids right. who are on the spectrum or have anxiety, you can't deal with change. So if you get used to one person and having them come and then they're gone, and then you just you they can't just pick up they with a new understand. person. Yeah, you, know, it, it, you have to build the rapport. You can't just have one and then they leave and bring in another one. Right. They have to have a relationship. Yes. And so we struggled a lot until we finally got a TSS that was more regular. What is that, Hunty? A therapeutic um, staff support. So okay. they would have a BSC, Behavioral Specialist. There's so many abbreviations. Yeah, and I forget what they all are. But the BSC would kind of make a plan. Yeah. And the TSS would come into the home and follow the plan. So they did well. They, they did their best. Evan was difficult. I'll be the first to say he was very difficult. He didn't... He was tough. I mean, you had to win his... uh, Attention. Yes, you had to win. And and he wasn't just going to do whatever you wanted. So it was difficult. I think they helped. I think... In the end, every little bit helps. It might not look like it's helping at the time, but all of this stuff, the kids are taking it into the, you know, Evan was taking it in, thinking about it, and eventually you would see things coming out. Like, okay, he, he, we're getting there. We're getting somewhere. Right. It's a slow process. It is a very slow process. I mean, I really can't say what it's about because I'm learning from you and some people I've talked to, but they've diagnosed him. Say it again, Dana. ADHD. ADHD. Anxiety. And then finally, the summer before sixth grade, he was finally diagnosed on the spectrum. Extremely high functioning. They said if it were any more, like if it was like right on the edge, it was high enough that he finally, you know, qualified for the diagnosis, but so high functioning that once again, schools aren't recognizing it. They're not saying he needs anything. 
So we had some issues in fifth grade, and you know I do talk about it in my book where he ended up in a partial hospital program. So he left the school for four weeks and went to a partial hospital program during the day. And they did do some schoolwork, but it was more intensive therapy. He was getting the attention he needed. Yes, yes. And and I will say this to the teachers that worked with him. They recognized a lot of issues with Evan, especially with math and things like that. And they're like, this boy needs an IEP. Like a 504 is not cutting it. Right. Because an IEP, explain that to the listeners, hon. Well, it's an individualized education plan. So basically, they hold more weight than I would say a 504. There's more to it. Right. Um, You can qualify... You can qualify for one if, you know, if, for instance, Evan had anxiety. That was enough to qualify right. for an IEP, not even considering the fact that he had, he was on the spectrum. He could have qualified because his anxiety was so debilitating by the time he got into sixth grade. They still refused. Right, because his hormones, you know, as he's growing up and going through, and you can read so much more about this because I've also, when I read the book that Dana, I just feel for you when you were saying it was such a struggle to get him on the bus and to even get him to go to school yes when he was when he was in elementary he would take off running and I you know and my daughter you know there's about six years between the two of them so you know she was an infant and I've got this child who and the reason he's acting out not wanting to go to school is because He's having issues. It's not fun for him to be there. It's making him miserable. More it's anxiety. Making him feel more, yes, more anxious. So, of course, he's going to act out and want to run away. Right. So Did he I, love having his baby sister come he along? He loved Ava. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the love those two had. Just amazing. I mean, he helped us name her. Um, he really just was such a good big brother. He and, was so, in the book, you know, you say that... He was like, I want a baby sister. Yes, he did. He wanted a baby sister from the get-go. He's like, I don't want a brother. Yeah. You were probably like, oh, no. I know. I was like, well, honey, that's not how it works. He's like, well, I'm praying to God, Mommy, and I'm asking him for a sister. He got his wish. He got his sister. And, um, yeah, he was just so good with her. And even when he would have his episodes, he never, ever laid a hand on his sister. Right. And he was so very protective of her. Yes. I can can only imagine how protective he was. Yes. Six years older, and he just knew that this is my little sister. I love her so much. Yes. I mean, they had their fights. I mean, as she got older and, you know, could interact more, Yes. she caught on. She would do things (laughs) purposely to upset him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think we all have that little, like, twerk where we can say, okay, I know how to get somebody rattled, you know. And she would. And she would Push their buttons. Hit me. Well, what are you doing? Well, I was I was in the office when he was on the computer, and I was like, well, then don't go in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. And, and what you were saying about how he was so particular about his, was it his room and yes. things he collected? Yes. Please don't touch anything. Nobody Tell us more about that, Dana. So as part of what we were finding, he did what you would call hoarding. So he would he had his collections and he could be somewhere in a store and find like a pen cap. Like especially at school. You should have seen his backpack. It was awful. He'd come home with all this stuff. There was all these like broken pencils, broken pens. He'd find hair clips that were broken. He'd find this, that, and then just bring them home. And I was like 
Gavin, what are you doing? He goes, well, I just found them on the floor. I was like, they're trash. Oh, don't throw those away. But they're not trash to him. Not trash to him. And so... I wonder what that means. Did you ever find that? Why? I think it was the autism, I think, and the anxiety. So he just had these collections, and he didn't want to get rid of them. And so we would have, you know, part of when the wraparound services came, because the, the hoarding was so hard and difficult... Part of that was they'd say, okay, Evan, what we're going to do today is we're going to pick three things out of your room that you can get rid of and that you don't want anymore. Oh, my goodness. Was he upset? Yes, but he knew how to, like, get one over on them. So he would say, okay, fine, I'll find things. It would be like Uh-oh. a tissue right. that was Something under the they bed. Something they didn't care about. Well, yeah, a gum wrapper. <laughs> right. Garbage. And then he'd be like, those are my three things. I'm done. And they'd yeah. be like, well, what about that? No, no, he no. He is so smart. He was very smart. He always was. I honestly will say he was always at least three steps ahead of me. It was very difficult to keep up with him because he was. And his arguments were so valid. Like he would say, but I want this, Mommy. And I'd be like, Evan, no, you don't need that. But yes, I do. And on it, right? And he would fix and then he would say, but this is why I should have it. And then you'd be like, he's winning the argument. He's winning the <laughs> argument. But just no, Evan, because just no. But yeah, he's like, but this is, yeah. and you're like, cool. And his teachers would tell me that too. Such an They're amazing, like, I'm standing there looking at this kid like, child. he's telling me, you know what I mean? Right. And, and and so there were so many good things about him. He just was a beautiful soul. He, he truly was just a good boy. I mean, he had his struggles. The kindness, though, Dana. But just the kindness. And, and to other children. To other, even, even to the boy that was bullying him and that eventually dared him. Even to this kid, he was very kind. And he offered he to be his friend. Did he get bullied in elementaries that you know of? Or? He got picked on. He did. But it wasn't as bad as it was in sixth grade. Middle school seems to be yes. the culprit. Oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. It was an absolute nightmare. You know, it, it's like night and day with my daughter because she's a seventh grader, but she goes to a Catholic school. We had some issues in sixth grade, but I feel like it's just like sixth grade. They're trying to find themselves. Right. But being that... The hormones. Their hormones. And, and, and Ava doesn't have those struggles. She does extremely well in school, and it comes easy to her. Right. And she's very social. She, you know, she does all of her activities. You know, Evan... He he was he was very sensitive. Like he got his feelings hurt a lot, and he was misunderstood a lot by children. I mean, most twelve-year-olds are out there playing, you know, football or baseball, and Evans going antiquing and collecting. I antiques. read that. That's a yeah. And then he said at recess, <clears throat> Evan would walk around and collect yes. rocks, yes. and other kids would be playing, and yes, he didn't care. He didn't care. He, did he was just doing thing. what he wanted to do. He wasn't. He was never bothering anybody. Never hurting anybody. Right. But the kids always they 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 tended to like gravitate to him. And at first, when he was like he younger, was an easy target. For yeah, them. but he was yes. At first, the kids thought he was funny and they wanted to be around him. But then, as they got older, and you could see the difference where the kids were, you know, branching out into sports and whatnot, and that's not where Evan was. Then you started okay. Then he was a target because he was different. It was very sad and very hard. 
Did you know all this was going on? I did know a lot of it. Um, I, like I said, I was in constant contact with teachers, the school. Sixth grade was really, really, really bad. And it felt like I was constantly on the phone with the guidance counselor, the principal, the school psychologist, constant communication with the teachers. And I will say this. You know, he had many teachers in sixth grade. Right, because they go from they class, go from to, class, class. to class. And the teachers always would tell me that they appreciated that I was so up on everything. Like, that I communicated with them openly, that I emailed them, and the same went for them. And I said, please keep an open communication. If you're noticing things, please tell me. I want to know. Right. So I had a really good thing going with, it, with his teachers. Um, I, I would have to say that, you know, the kids started picking on him more in sixth grade and this one particular boy. And I I would have to say this child had the same issues as my son. Right. But Evan chose to treat others with kindness, even though they weren't treating him with kindness. This child even told my son that I enjoy tormenting, tormenting others. It gives me pleasure to hurt people. Because... A bully is usually someone who's hurting inside exactly. from something that's happening to him. And Evan recognized it. And he said, you know what? I understand what you're going through. I have my struggles, too. But I will be your friend if you want. Oh and he said gosh. it in front of the principal. And the principal, the principal called me and cried and was like, I just couldn't believe the kindness. Yes. But, you know, it wasn't enough. Like, kindness just, is contagious, but maybe not is. at that age because that they're age. so... Impressionable, and they want to be. You know, the bully wants to have attention on yeah. him at all times. Like, yeah. look how funny I am. Look at me. Yeah, <laughs> it was like he took his problems out on my son. Yes, but that's not what Evan did. And so after you know we lost him and everything, it took us. We figured out what had happened, and then the students started reaching out to me over the years, and the things that these kids would tell me, they just think so highly of him. And I I was always proud of my son, but I didn't know how wonderful, like how truly wonderful to other children he was until he passed away. And then these children started reaching out to me. Is that amazing? It is just, it's mind blowing. Really. You, you are the best mom. You were there. (sighs) You were the advocate for your son. You fought for everything that, you know, he deserved and, you know, and how dare anybody question you as a mom that you don't see what's going on with your own son. No, and it just, you know, and I can remember these meetings that we were having in sixth grade with, you know, the guidance counselor had reached out and said, you know what, Mrs. Zimniak, I'm at a loss for what to do for him. I have never, ever seen a child present with this much anxiety, ever, and I truly don't know how to help your son. And I said, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I don't expect everyone to know what to do, but at least be able to say, I don't know what to do. Let's figure out what we can do. Because at the time, his therapist, he was seeing a therapist. He was also seeing a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist wanted to have a meeting with the school and the school psychologist to try to get on the same page. Right. Think about it. There's one counselor at each school. One. And how many kids in the middle school? Yeah. And the school psychologist said, nope, why would I need to meet with him? I know what I'm doing. I can handle it. And it not it, you can't handle down, everybody. It went downhill quick. They decided we are going to get tough with Evan, 
and take everything away from like he's not going to be allowed to leave the classroom we're going to make him stay in we are going to supply every teacher with the things that he asks to leave for this is how we're going to be with him. Right. That, that's what you're supposed to do. That you're, you're supposed to, someone who's struggling every day mm-hmm. and is trying to, you know, yes. his head and things that are going on, he can't control that. No. Put yourself yes. in Dana's shoes. Yeah. Think about if that's you and your child. Yeah. Or someone you know mm-hmm. or a relative. Think about that. Yeah. We don't have to know everything. People, I, like I said, I don't expect every teacher, every therapist, every school psychologist, I don't expect them to know everything. But I expect you to listen to the parent because a parent knows that child. They see that child in, in a different environment than, than the school does. Right. So if a parent is coming to you and saying, listen, my child needs help. I'm desperate. Please. I'm afraid something bad's going to happen. Please give him a modified schedule. And you look at me and say, no, the answer is just to get tough with him. Oh, it was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare, the things that they did. I I don't think people could even believe how they handled him. Oh, yeah. Just reading your book. and It's awful. The humanity in people and the compassion for us. It really scares me because this is something that is going on still. Mm-hmm. The bullying, maybe not the resources or the help that these students are yes. getting. And they're crying for help. Yes. You know, and you're the mom and you're seeing this and you're you're like, nobody's doing anything. And it just, yeah. ugh, your hands are tied behind your back. And you yes. just, they could just have an aide in each classroom just to watch and observe yes. and see. Yes. Is he I, being bullied? I volunteered. Just, I said, I will, I will come in and volunteer and just be an extra right. set of eyes in the hall or this or that or even on the bus. Oh, no, Mrs. Zimniak, we don't, we don't have parent volunteers. Why is that? Well, is, then pay somebody. Exactly, them. because you don't want anyone to see what's going on. You know what I mean? You don't right. want you're trying to hide something. To when you're, yeah. Yeah. And so that that was the issue. But, you know, after we lost him, the school basically tried to shove him under the rug. I thought, no, the world needs to know what happened to him. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just that my son was dared to do one of these challenges by a bully and lost his life. It was so much more than that. It was everything else that my son had been through, that we had been through as a family, to put so much of our time and effort and focus into just getting our son the help he right. needed and deserved, and then we lose him. Dana, tell us, tell the listeners, because um, I read it in the book, and the book's called Blue is the Color of Heaven, the story of a boy's love, strength, and beyond. This is um, Dana, and she's talking about her son, Evan, who passed away six years ago, seven years ago. Seven. It'll, It'll be, be seven, seven years. years. Yeah, in March. March. And in her book, the one part that you didn't mention to the listeners, the school bus. Oh, the is bus. where the teachers and nobody sees what really nobody goes on sees, in that school yes. bus. Yes. Get some cameras, people. Well, they have cameras. Oh, do they? They didn't use them. Oh. They did not use them, though I've heard that since Evan's death, they've turned the cameras on. They had cameras on the bus. They just weren't using them. Probably, it probably cost money right. to have these cameras in working condition, so they put them on there as... Look, there's cameras, but they're not good because no one's they're they're not recording, they're not seeing anything. Right. And so, Evan did not want to take the bus. He 
Well, he wanted to take the bus. Because his friends Because were his friends were on there. And when you have a child with special needs, you want to do everything you can to give that child a normal life. Routine. And I, you know, why should my son... So when there were issues with the same bully that dared him to, to, to this choking game, was causing issues on the bus for our son. And... You know, it it turns out this child was causing issues for other kids on other buses, and they weren't doing anything about it. But what they wanted to do was remove my child. Well, let's put Evan on a different bus. No. Tell the listeners what he was doing, the bully. Well, he would do things to Evan, like hitting him on the back of the head or banging the back of the chair. The one day, this is this was the end of it all, when I really lost it. He was sitting behind my son, and Evan was sitting with his friends in the seat. And the boy was sitting behind him, and he was banging on the window beside Evan's head. And... You know, you can't tell a kid to ignore it. Like, especially a child like my son with right. with these diagnoses. You know, maybe I could have ignore, ignored it. Maybe you could have ignored it. Not a child like that. Right. So he finally said, listen, stop. And he put his hand up to stop the kid. And the kid took a pencil and just started stabbing my son in the hand. Oh, the my gosh, Dana. When I read that, mm-hmm. I am so sorry. Nothing was done to the kid. You Nothing. can't put your hands on each no. other. Nope. So what happened then, so my poor son gets up, because the kid wouldn't stop. He had had it. He got up out of his seat, grabbed the kid by the arm, and said, knock it off. Well, don't you know, that's when the bus driver turns around, sees this, and then just gets it in her head that my son is the instigator, and he's aggressive, and he grabbed this kid. I said, listen, my son had pencil indentations in his hand, because you didn't see what this kid was doing. And then I'm calling the garage. I'm calling the secretary, the transportation secretary at the school, um, calling the principal. And all they can say is, well, why don't we just put him on another bus? Oh, yeah. Take him away from his friends. Why should Evan ride another bus by himself when this kid is causing trouble, right. why doesn't this child get taken off the bus and put on a right, like another bus? Right. If this kid is bullying other kids and not just yes. Evan. And it wasn't just my son. Because the secretary was like, oh, I've seen this name come across my desk several times. Right. But yet no one did anything about it. And like you said, his friend that was sitting with him, yeah. you know, he probably was scared and he yeah. didn't want to do anything. Was no. this kid larger than them? No, he wasn't. But, you know, Evan is like me. He's not afraid to speak up and stand up to people. Other people don't. They kind of shy away. They yeah. kind of say, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to ignore this kid. Maybe they have the ability to ignore this kid. My son couldn't. And that's not Evan's fault. Right. That kid has no business picking on my child, putting his hands on my child, and getting away with it. No, Evan did not want to ride a different bus. He said, no, Mommy, I want to ride with my friends. Right. And then the bus driver said, oh, we're going to put you in an assigned seat. And then the, the bully didn't have one. And then it was a, it just, I mean, you can read about it in the book. It's yes. just a nightmare. You you can't even imagine I cannot believe that this happened. Right. And when you hear somebody's story and the horrific kind of things that spiral, it's almost like in the moment you were probably thinking, like, am I really... Is this yeah. really happening? Yeah. Like you Am I not getting help? I cannot make this stuff up. No. Like I don't even have it in my head to make something up like this. Right. You know, it just blows your mind that uh. this went on. I did everything I could. 
everything I could. I called the school. I was involved. I had the meetings. I tried to have a meeting with the bully's parents. The parents refused. I, you know, we tried to do all of these things, and yet in the end, we still lost our son. Right. You know, and then after that, it was like the school was like, oh, Evan Zimniak who? Let's lift up the rug, sweep him under there. I know. Children weren't allowed to do anything for him. They weren't allowed to remember him. Other students passed away after my son, unfortunately. Very, very sad. Their their deaths were different circumstances, so they were allowed to honor the students at school or during games or this right. or that. But because Evan's death was initially ruled a suicide and later changed to accidental, but the school had already sent an email to the entire district telling them that our what? child died Why by suicide. Why would they do something like that? This I, is private. This is a yes. private matter. This is yes. about you and your family, and you're already hurt and just yes. devastated. Yes. The last thing you want is everybody in the whole school district to know yeah. about They didn't even pain. ask our permission or tell us. I got a call from friends. I started getting calls from, like, Dana, did you see the email? What email? And I look, and I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh, it was sent to the entire district. And then his elementary school, they sent out a separate one to their students in the elementary school. He wasn't even at the elementary school um, anymore. He was at the middle school. Those kids are much younger. And yeah. what are the parents going to Why did the whole. Why then did it they comes out, they made a mistake. They didn't mean to send it to the entire district. It was supposed to go to the middle school. Hello, you're supposed to be yeah. the professionals here. Yes. Come on. So they refused. They refused to take it back and send another revised email stating that Evan's death was ruled accidental due to the choking game. You know, we were like, please tell the st- please tell the parents. They need to know what happened. Not just to clear but they need to know that this he learned it from one of your students and the students were doing it. I got later found out from other kids. Tell these oh no, this is an isolated incident. If our children if our students were doing this, we would have known. Right? No, you wouldn't know. They don't tell you that stuff. They're Dana, explain that to the listeners. We're not going to tell you uh, graphically of like what happened to Evan. You know, there social media. He didn't have a telephone, right? He did not have or a phone. He did not have any social media. His electronics were checked. He had an iPad and a computer. But my husband is in computer security, internet security, so he knew what to look for. Nothing was ever found on Evan's electronics, right. which we knew. We were monitoring, so you're like he's safe. He's he was not safe. getting all we that thought, outside. Oh, he's he's not pressure. The, the things that you don't know about as a parent. How we had never heard of the choking game, so I couldn't. We couldn't talk to our son about the dangers because I never knew it existed. Right. But even above and beyond that, it's important to realize that no matter what you do for your child, you have to realize that there's other kids out there. So if you don't let your child on social media. Somebody at the school does, and they're still going to, uh-huh. and they're going to show child. videos, yeah. and they're going to show things, and of course, kids are all going to yes. watch it, you know. So the choking game apparently has been around for over, well over a hundred years, documented, but it has changed over time. It used to be something that kids would do in a locker room or um, at a party, and they would do it to each other, basically by stopping air. It gives you a head rush. So if you block the flow of oxygen to your brain, your oxygen is being deprived of your brain is being deprived of deprived of oxygen and it's going to give you a head rush. And the kids like the way that feels. How could they like the way that I feels? I don't understand. I don't understand it either. And because I, it's cool because the other kids are doing it. Right. And you know, like you said, are we aware of this? Yeah. 
choking game. Yeah. Because I was not aware of it. Yeah, I wasn't. But I've, I've, I've actually talked to several people, obviously, over the years, and there's so many people that are like, oh, my gosh, I used to do that as a kid. Or we did that in the locker room. Or we did that here. Or my siblings and I used to do it until one day my brother took a really long time to wake up and we panicked and never did it again. How scary. Yeah. Why? Why are we doing these I things to know. see reactions and to see how... How it affects everybody differently. I just don't under in social media sometimes, you know, these kids are very impressionable. Yes. They're very and especially at that young age, that's why most of the children who have died from the choking game are around the age of twelve. Because this is when they're trying to find themselves. They want to fit look in. good to their peers, they want to fit in. And the other important thing that I have to mention is a child's brain is not fully developed. So when you look at something that a kid does and you say, well, that was stupid. Why would you do that? Right. They don't see it from the adult brain. We have the adult brain that's fully developed. Right. We're looking at it like, that's not smart. Why would you do it? They can't see around the corner. They can't see, oh, I'm going to do this and I could die or I could get hurt. Right. They don't have... They don't see the consequences. Their brain is not fully developed. They literally cannot... And when someone it. says, hey, I dare you to do this, or, yes. you know, I dare you to do that. I mean, these kids are like, okay, I, I, I want to yeah. fit in. I want to be part yeah. of the group. I want these kids to see that I'll do whatever they want me to do. Yeah. And it's just, Dana, now, to this, now, Evan was 12 years old. Yes. And he passed away seven years ago. Yes, it'll be seven years in March. So he would be... 19. 19 he would have turned old. 19 in January. Tell us a little bit about what you've been going through these past couple years with his death and the people that you have came come out of the woodwork, but there's also people that still to this day will never admit anything. Yeah. No, I, I've been very outspoken, and I'm not afraid. I will speak the truth. That's what I will say. I will speak the truth, no matter how ugly that is. The truth is the truth. I can't change that. I'm not going to hide in a corner. Yes, I've had horrible, many, I can't even tell you how many days of just horrible grief to the point where I didn't even want to get out of bed. I didn't even want, like if it weren't for my daughter, I don't know that I'd be here today, And quite honestly. And so I've had such horrible days, but... The thing that always pushed me was, I need to get Evan's story out there. Like, there's been no justice. What happened to him is horrible, and there's been no accountability. There's been no accountability with the school. There's been no accountability with the the boy who did this. To, you know, that said right, this. Right, that told him about it. There's there's been nothing. It's like my son died, and everybody's lives went on as normal. I I can't even imagine. And I'm suffering every single day, whether I look like it or not. And there are days where I just can't hide it. Yeah. But as time goes on, you're able to hide it more. And I think that makes people think you're okay. But you're not. You'll never be okay. Nobody will ever. This is... If you read... When you read the book, you will feel Dana's heart in this book. And... I can't even imagine how you feel. Yeah. I When I look back, I don't know how I got this far, truthfully. I, I feel like Evan has got me this far. He has pushed me to keep going. He's like, Mommy, you've got to get my story out there. Yes. You have to save other people. You have to hold people accountable. And I think the thing with me is... 
after last year, Evan would have graduated. And we did go to the graduation. We sat with friends. And it was a huge turning point. I would say the book, because I was still writing it at the time, finishing it at the time, and then going to his graduation was a huge turning point in my life. I feel like we sat there and we watched the bully walk across the stage and graduate. Um, and that was hard, you know, because our son wasn't there because of this kid, Derek. They never reached reached out to the family? Never, or the... No, no. I, I reached out to the family and was originally told, threatened that they would get a lawyer if I ever reached out to them again, and that what I was saying was not true, which yeah. we had documentation. It was true. Right. But when we went to the graduation, and they did do a dedication to Evan at the end. And you had video. T-shirts on. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't wear the T-shirts there. We wore them. Oh, because they did finally, because of the students, not because of the superintendent, not because of the staff, because of his classmates, they fought to have something done for him finally because they were told no throughout the years. Why? Why would they say no? Because I don't think they wanted to face to they didn't want to acknowledge it. They have to a sad allow them, they don't want to have a sad part of graduation. Well guess well, what? They didn't want that I think they knew they were at fault. I think deep down they know they failed him. They failed him, they failed us, they failed other children. The system. The system, they were the adults that were in a place to do things, mm-hmm. to help, and they didn't. And I think they so realized sorry. that. And so that's why they, well, we don't want to, we can't draw any attention to him because that's going to make people talk. They're going to, we, we just want to put him away. Right, people we that don't know like, about the story. Yeah, we want to act like he never existed. You know, we're sorry for the family's loss, but, you know, we got to keep going on, and we don't want to have anything attached right. negative to make us look bad. So they didn't want the kids to do anything. So senior year, they fought. And they did do, they have a, a pillar that they paint every year for the seniors. And Evan was a big part of it. And they had a tulip, and the tulip was blue. That was dedicated to Evan for the color. And and on the sheet and in the yearbook, it says my son's name. They, they couldn't deny it. Yeah. And there was another... Um, now, why blue? Well, you know, I don't know, because... He liked the color blue, but he was more into green. But when he passed away, I was drawn to blue. blue. I don't know why I can't explain it, but I was drawn right, to blue. Right, because in the book, you talk about, like, yes. and, like, just Every, yeah. things that are blue. And uh, I'm sorry, go on about the graduation, no, okay. honey. No, that's okay. So when we were at the graduation, we um, they did a video. The superintendent reached out to me, which I can't believe I was actually able to hold it together while speaking to her. I was very respectful, and I made it clear that I was very thankful to the students for finally, you know, saying, this is enough. We're doing this forever. Good for them. Those students, I'll yes. tell you what. Yes. I mean, because they were little children at 12. They didn't understand back now then. now they're 18, yeah, right? and they're, you know, and it means, it it changed, you know, they, they the way they felt about him, like, you know, they, um, how do I want to say, it was like, well, they reprocessed. Right, they processed yes. it. Yes, they reprocessed it, and it was different as a 12-year-old versus an 18-year-old graduating high school. Right. So they did a video, and at the end of the video, they showed a picture of our son, and people clapped and cheered. How you know. did you feel, Dana? How did you? Oh, I was proud. I was so God. proud. I was like, "Yay!" We were so proud. And then after the graduation, 
the kids didn't know we were coming. And as a matter of fact, we were invited, but I told the superintendent we weren't coming. And then we had a change of heart, but I wasn't telling them. I wanted to go with friends, not because they invited us there. We went separate. So we sat with our friends, and then afterwards, I wanted to see the students because... Something you don't think about is when you lose a child, yeah, you've lost your child, but you lose everything associated with your child. Like, I used to have his friends come over and hang out. Birthday parties. Birthday parties. Gone. The parents that I talk to, I don't talk to them anymore because my child's not alive. And so I wanted to see these children. And they saw us, and they were like, oh, you're here. We had no idea, and they're hugging us. Some of them were just breaking down and crying. They were so happy to say, look, look at my cap. Evan's name is on my cap, or I'm wearing his bracelet, or or the one kid, he was like, he's like, look, look, I have Evan's T-shirt on under my, you know, my gown, and their cars were decorated, and so they were so happy, and finally, I felt like he's being recognized how he should have always been recognized, and he has a page in the yearbook. Oh. A dedication. And so... I know, but it doesn't change everything. It but doesn't it, change it, it. It makes your heart feel nice that his friends acknowledge yes. him and still think yes. about him, still talk about him. Yes. And, you know, that's Because that's just, all I wanted. Right? I wanted him to be acknowledged, and they were hiding him, and I didn't want them to hide him because he was a beautiful boy, a beautiful spirit. He still is a beautiful spirit. He deserves to be seen and heard. Right. And I hope that schools are now recognizing that, you know, bullying, I mean, I know it's it's always around, it's yeah. everywhere. Like we said, it's adults doing yes. bullying. But I hope they recognize that you need to have, what are those called? Like, I remember they would take all the kids in the gymnasium. Oh, they, yeah. What is that? After school, yes, whatever. Oh, I can't gosh. think of assemblies. Assemblies and have speakers. Yes, but you talk about social media and some of the dare. Just do that. You have to live it. So a lot of times, I think what the schools will do is they'll say, "Well, we'll have someone come in and talk." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you have to live it. You have to incorporate it. It should be part. You should be teaching these kids how to be better people, right? Like, and, and to be kind and you know morals and, and stick values. Stick up for the ones yeah. that are getting bullied. Stick up for them because they're afraid because they're like, well, gosh, I don't want that kid to do it to me. I mean, I got a lot of that. A lot of the kids said, I feel guilty because I saw what was happening, but I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid. And also, to be honest, I didn't think anybody was going to care if the teachers weren't going to care. They weren't going to do anything. So so why tell them? At a young age, they knew that there was nothing they could do. Yes. Because they thought nobody's going to care. Nobody. Because that's what they were showed. You speak up, then what he does anything anyway, so why bother? Right, and they're young, and they don't yes. know that maybe their voice wouldn't be heard. Yeah, and it's can't. sad. Yes. But a lot of these kids now, I feel like they've been empowered, and now they speak out, and now, you know, they remember him. Yes. I and know. that's all any parent who's lost a child ever wants right. is for their child to be remembered. Right. And he has left a beautiful legacy yes, as a 12-year-old child. 12 years on this earth, and he has left a beautiful legacy. Yes, he has, because he has a beautiful mom and dad and sister. Thank you. His, you know, kitty cat. Oh, yes. (laughs) His kit cat, yes. She misses her boy. I really want the listeners to read your book, Lou is the Color of Heaven, the story of a boy's love, strength, and beyond. Feel what Dana's feeling. I mean, we'll never know really deep down what you're feeling, but... 
we also talked about this that you know we believe in signs yes. Dana and I both believe in signs and she's yes. had a lot of signs yes. from Evan which is so wonderful yes. and, and and actually the book the title of the book came to us after his his passing um, because of one of our signs one of our he has sent many mediums to me and he's actually come out and said blue is the color of heaven heaven <gasps> is blue it's amazing. And yeah. some of the things I read about, you know, your relatives that are in heaven and what they say and what yes. they do and what people have told you is, yes. how would they ever know They this? would never know. They would never, oh, ever know. I believe. We've been blessed to have such good experiences. And it, it, it does help. It helps. In, he's letting me know, hey, mommy, I'm here. I'm right here. Right. And I know. And I say, I know you're here, dude. I feel you. But it's not the same as when you were here. When, when you're holding him. Yes. And him, yeah, touching your hair. I want to touch you. I want to see your handsome, sweet little face with your long little eyelashes. Yes. I want to see you and hold you. But, you know, as someone said, this is what our lives are now. This is what we get. And so it's hard it's to fair. accept it's it. Fair. It's not fair. But you have to look at it and say, well, this is my situation. And I'm thankful and grateful that he is so strong and comes through to me because he has kept me going. If I didn't have these signs and these messages, I don't think I could have done this. But he says, Mommy, you have to keep going. You have to get this out there. You have to save lives. Dana, I I look at you and the strength that you have. I mean, you are such a wonderful mom. You really Thank are. Thank you. And, you know, Evan was in your life for a reason. Yes. You know, and I, I just see this beautiful young boy, and it's just, it breaks my heart. <laughs> I'm not going to, I said I'm not going to cry. I did enough crying when I read it, but um, I just thank you for sharing your story with thank me. Thank you, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, it's such a blessing to be able to share, to share my son with so many people. Yes, you should. Whatever I can do to help you with that, I will do it. Because, you know, I feel that there's other people out there, Dana, that are going through something not exactly, but similar to your story. And I hope it gives you the strength to say, hey, I know my child. I'm his best advocate, and this is what I feel my child needs. And then keep fighting for it. Yes, absolutely. Don't be afraid. Don't back down. Because they will. They will try to intimidate you and tell you they know your child better. But they don't. So if anything, just know you're not alone. If you're having any of the struggles that I've had with my child, know that you are not alone. And just, I hope it gives you the strength to fight. Yes, you're a warrior. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, I am a warrior. Yes, yes. You and are. Evan means little warrior. Yes, I love it. And again, the name yeah. and everything. Oh, so how do we get your book, honey? It's available on Amazon. Okay. So you can purchase it uh, just online. So you just Amazon. go on Amazon. Amazon and look up Blue is the Color of Heaven. Blue is the Color the of Heaven. The story of a boy's love, strength, and beyond. And you'll see my sweet, handsome little boy mm-hmm. walking on a beach on the cover. Oh, I get to see him collecting seashells. And yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, I'm not going to say it's a nice read, but it's, right. it really puts life in perspective yes. of don't really know what somebody's going through unless you lost a child. Yes. Yes. But Dana really portrays the fight and the love and the family values of just being a, yeah. being there and, and making sure my, that keeping him yeah. alive forever. He was my everything. I love, love that child so much, yeah. so deeply. I feel a stronger connection than just a mother's son. I feel 
a spiritual connection. Like, we've been together for a very long time, and I just... Because he was an old soul, too. He was an old soul. Oh, I thank you so much, Dana. Thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate your time today. So make sure to read her book, Blue is the Color of Heaven, the story of a boy's love, strength, and beyond. And I'm going to grab some tissues because I just, my heart just feels for you, babe. Thank you. I love it. And you're so strong. Oh, thank you so much. He gives me my strength. He does. (laughs) He gives me my strength. We love you, Evan. We love you, dude. (laughs) I know there's going to be signs today. I know. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for being on Spill With Me, Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.